We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is an interesting discussion to have because we need to talk about sort of the defensive class and the class overall and, and where Notre Dame is heading. It, it is kind of funny how we've we've kind of done a complete 180 from last year. And last year, kind of heading into April and May, was Tommy Reese sucks and this offensive staff can't recruit and they've got all these defensive players and the offensive staff only has like three guys and – you know, this guy can't play and I don't like that guy and all this other kind of stuff. And by the end of it, you're kind of like, I think the offensive class might be a little bit better than the defensive class. We're seeing something similar from the standpoint of numbers. Notre Dame is on a roll right now when it comes to defensive recruiting. In the last two months, Notre Dame, and it started with Anthony Knapp, the offensive lineman. They have also added two receivers in the last couple months obviously Isaiah Canyon and Micah Gilbert but the defensive class has really started to fill up Ryan you you went from having nearly three commits for a while I mean when Leonard Moore committed back in what when was that like February yeah it was like February yeah (laughs) Uh, February early March or something like that it was it was uh like okay when are they going to get somebody and then of course Cole Mullins commits Bryce Young commits uh, then Kennedy Erlacher commits, and then they've had landed two linebacker commits in the last two weeks or last week. And it's now eight and eight. There's eight offensive commits and eight defensive commits. The one thing that has to be said is when you look at the two, the one difference between last year is, is when the offensive class started to fill up, they started to fill up with like big time players. Dudes. Right. It was Braylon James. It was Jaden Greathouse. And, and, and I'm not necessarily seeing that on the defensive side of the ball. And so I want to talk about sort of why and what they need to finish with in my opinion to to really raise the level of of where this class is but also why it could be challenging and we'll get into that i think the first thing that people need to take into account in my opinion is Ryan you talk about this with the draft a lot there's some years where it's just not go- a good year yeah this this year at quarterback for example is a pretty good year at the top but it doesn't have the depth from what I've seen so far, like last year's class, for example, or next year's class. There's almost always deep receiver classes. It's just the way that it is now. But 
when you when when I evaluate the and we've talked about this a, a, quite a bit already, but when I evaluate the class nationally, part of the issue that Notre Dame is having is that some of the positions where there's some consternation about where Notre, how Notre Dame is recruiting is because it's not a great year. And honestly, outside of defensive end, I think it's a pretty good defensive end class, actually. Yeah. And and I think it's a pretty good cornerback class, right? I don't know if there's a lot of elite top level, top five star guys, but it's a very deep cornerback class, in my opinion. But defensive tackle, linebacker, and safety, especially, it's just not a good year. And just there's not a ton of depth. There's not a lot of high end players. And you made a point too, Ryan, at the beginning when you and I were talking too, that there's other aspects that kind of hurt like when you look at safety that hurt the depth of that class as well. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's talking about guys like Mike Matthews. I mean, even Bronte Johnson to a degree that some schools are recruiting Aaron them as Butler. a wide receiver, right? Yeah. And and Aaron Butler's another defensive back, obviously out of California. I mean, there are some guys that are just kind of dead set on playing on the offensive side of the football. So I think that is hurting the depth of defensive back just in general, but especially safety. I mean, Mike Matthews, if Mike Matthews was a just a safety in this class, I mean, I would argue that you have a legit five-star talents at the top of the class. But unfortunately, when you leave lose him, there's still quality guys like the KJ Boldens of the world, right? Mm -hmm. The, you know, then you get into the to the DeMello Joneses, the Ricardo Jones. Like there's still it still has some talent, but it's not quite there's, as and that's always going to be the, the case, right? There's it's never going to be yeah. a year where there's no good players in a in a class. Exactly. It's, it's it's just not a great year. It's not it's not a deep year. And and I'll say this this is kind of the second year in a row I've been somewhat disappointed with the the high level quality of linebackers to be honest with you and I, I think this year's class is worse than last year's class because last year's class still had some guys at the top that were just really good dudes I mean you had the Harold yeah. Perkinses you had the Drake Bowens the Jaden Allsburys the Anthony Hills who was very toolsy but but kind of raw yeah there's a lot of really good linebackers in last year's class there's not as many that I see in this year's class and the depth isn't as good and defensive tackle too might might be the 
might take the cake as far as just lack of depth, of quality depth and defensive tackle, pure interior guys. There's a lot of big ends you're going to have to develop into interior guys. And so that has to be taken into consideration when you're talking about why are they taking some guys that are more projectable? And this is exactly why. Because the guys in the top of the class are not the the, the high quality that we've seen in the past, past years. This is a much better 2024 nationally much better offensive skill class than it is anywhere else. And and quarterback is good. Running back is good. Receiver's really good. Tight end's really good. It's not a very good offensive line class. It's not a very good D-tackle class. It's not a very good linebacker class. And it's not a very good safety class. And so what Notre Dame is doing, and you have to keep this in mind when we're talking about who they're recruiting, do you take a good solid player that might have a high ranking or whatever, or do you say, Hey, we're going to take some chances on some higher ranked kids and or not some higher ranked kids, some, some higher ceiling kids who are a bit projectable because we don't see the depth there. And we got to take some chances because there are also numbers needs. And I think this puts right. them in an even more precarious position at safety because they can't afford to only get low, like low floor, high ceiling guys at safety. Linebacker is a different deal. We talked earlier. I, I think they need to get a high floor guy. They need to get Kingston. Like it's simple as that. They need to get Kingston. Yeah. But when you look at it, it's like I can live with it if they get if they get a Chris Cole. I can certainly live with that, a uh, Brian Huff, because of how well you did in the past past two years. It's still a little bit of a concern if you get nothing but proje- you know projectable guys. Safety is a little different animal, Ryan. Even with the pickup of Antonio Carter, who has two years of eligibility left, that's a position I'm 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 concerned with because I don't know who they're going to get. The one guy they do have is a projectable guy, and I don't see a lot of come in and play early guys, to be honest with you. And so I do think they're hurting a little bit because of that. And some of the guys that that you do like that to me do have higher floors, a Jalen McClain, you, you know, you're, you're you haven't been able to get any traction with. And so the, I have some concerns about how they're going to if they're going to be able to finish this class off the way that a lot of people think that there should. And part of it is, I mean, look, people, oh NIL, I have seen very few NIL problems in this class. There's a couple, yeah. Jalen, but the the. the the way that last year played out for NIL has changed the game in ways that fans aren't recognizing sure. in that so many kids, and you've heard kids talk about this, Ryan, so many kids saw what happened with the Jaden Rashadas that they were promised A, B, C, and D, and then it didn't deliver that yep. they realized that they're, they're, there's a lot of BS out there. And so NIL still matters to these kids, but it's not having the same impact that it did with, with some others. It still matters, but it's just not, it's not a great year. And I just don't think that the staff right now, honestly, has been able to resonate with some of those top players. If we're being honest, I I think there's been some issues there. There's been some issues connecting with some of the top linebackers in the class, to be completely honest with you. There's been an issue connecting with some of the top safeties in the class. And so it's a little concerning. And we're going to have to see how the staff is going to finish because there's an opportunity with the players on the board for this to be a really good defensive class. Agree. But we're getting to that point now, right over the next couple months, where they're getting to the point where if you don't hit here, 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 and here, I don't see the path for that continuing. And that's something that we're gonna that we're gonna kind of discuss in this next section, Ryan. And but but the 
to kind of go back to the original topic of conversation, Bodie Cahoon is a guy that I think clearly has brought about a difference of opinion with people of his film. Sure. But the one thing that cannot be just like you have to accept and embrace to at least like, if we're going to have a debate, we need to be able to accept certain premises. So if you and I are going to debate whether or not Bodie Cahoon is a guy that Notre Dame should take or whether it's a guy that could be an impact player, you and I have to accept certain premises in the conversation, right? We have to accept, okay, he's a 2024 kid. We have to accept this, 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 and this. We also have to accept the fact that this is a guy that Notre Dame staff has wanted and wanted for months. Right. This is not a guy that will hold hold him off until we hear about other kids. He is in the group of the other kids that you're referring to. You may not think that, but that's how they think. Like I saw somebody on the board said, Boy, I thought when they got Teddy Rezac, they were going to go all in on Chris Cole and Kingston Viliyama Asa. That was what you thought they would do. Yeah. But that there was never a debate about whether or not Bodie Cahoon was a the guy they liked. I think there could be a debate of whether they should have felt that way. But this is not a, a situation where they're settling. They see a kid with a very high ceiling. We're going to find out if they're right or not, but that's what they see. And and that's kind of what they're shooting for at some of these positions. But when it comes to Bodie Cahoon, this is a guy that they've wanted and wanted for a while. And, you know, it, it, I want to ask you this, because like to me, like to me, Peyton Pierce is a guy they liked very early. Yes. I think that was James Laronitis. I think liked him more than some of the other coaches, to be completely honest with you, which is why when James left, Notre Dame didn't push as hard for him, to be completely honest with you, because there were some other people that didn't like Peyton Pierce as much. I like Peyton Pierce, but I like him too. I think the upside is not as good as high. You know, he's a little bit more limited physically. The ranking's a little higher, but there were people on this staff, and this is true. Again, we can we can discuss if they were correct or not, and we'll find out. There were people on this staff, even when it looked like, well, I'll be honest, even when Peyton Pierce was a committed player, there were people on the Notre Dame staff that liked Bodie Cahoon more and weren't sold on Peyton Pierce. Because the thing about Peyton Pierce is he's a very good high school linebacker. Yes. But if you want to compare a guy to Drew White, Peyton Pierce is that guy. He is much more like J.D. Bertrand and Drew White than Bodie Cahoon is because he's short, he's not overly long, and he's a good athlete but not a great athlete. But he's very instinctive and very productive. That's the reality of it. That's more of the BK guy than what this kid is, who's 6'3", long, rangy and those type of things. And so um, that's kind of where the conversation is. And there are people in this chat that would have been much happier with Peyton Pierce than Bodie Cahoon because he's ranked higher. Yeah. Simple as that. Because Ohio State wanted him. Ohio State didn't want Peyton Pierce until James Laronitis got hired, which is why they offered him like two days before it was announced that James Laronitis was going to be their new GA. It's not a coincidence. They didn't offer him before then. Right. So, you know, that to me, that has to be taken into consideration when you're talking about linebacker class. But it does put a lot of pressure on you now to to go get Kingston, because, yeah. again, it's going to be hard for me to say this is a big time defensive class. If you don't have some guys like him in this class and right now they don't have anybody like him in this class, which is that combination of high floor plus high ceiling. And that's the concern I have so far when it comes to defensive recruiting for Notre Dame in this class. This is a belief I have, and I think it's a very understandable belief, is that there are some positions right now on Notre Dame's roster that people are 
very worried about because they're not sure about the people that are developing it, right? If I believe, and this is my opinion, I could be completely wrong about this. Perception could be, I could be completely off on this one. But I think if Marcus Freeman was still the defensive coordinator of Notre Dame and still the linebacker coach, if he brought in Teddy Rizak and Bodie Cahoon onto, onto his roster, people would have said, Marcus Freeman's going to get the best out of them because he had proven that he could develop players and that he could put guys in great positions. I think that people would have been a lot more eased, in my opinion, Brian, of like, Coach Freeman sees his guys. He's going to get his guys. He'll develop his guys. We'll be good at linebacker, even if it's Ted Rizak and Bodie Cahoon. But the fact that you just went through your first year with Al Golden and the linebacker play was sporadic. Mm-hmm. It wasn't consistent. I think that there was some hesitation yeah. of like, cool, I can see the upside with Teddy Rezac. I can see the upside of Bodie Cahoon. But do I trust them to develop him properly? I'm not sure about that. So what you're saying is, is if, if Marcus Freeman was still the linebacker's coach, and was driving these recruitments or yes. Clark Lee. Yes. There'd be a much more willing to accept that. I think that's very fair. Cause, cause they a- would, they would look at Bodie Cahoon. They'd be like, so you're going to get a six, two and a half, six, three kid who can run in right. the four fives with Marcus Freeman. Like he'll develop that right. kid. He'll be a great player. I think that's how they feel. I, I think the perception is, is that you're selling for this kid. Cause Al Golden doesn't want to recruit and look, Al Golden doesn't want to recruit. That's obvious. I don't like it. And people, from Notre Dame may not like me saying this. I they may want to push back on it, but the re, the fact of the matter is that's the evidence of what we see. But he's not the only person recruiting linebackers, right? <laughs> Chad, when we talk to Teddy Rizak, who's the name he always mentions? Who is your primary recruiter? Ask him. He won't say Al Golden. He won't say Max Bola. He won't say Marcus Freeman. He'll say Chad Bowden. Chad Bowden, yeah, because yeah. Chad Bowden is the guy that saw that and and I evaluated that, and then obviously everybody was on board with it. Bodie Cahoon has been much more about Al Golden. Al Golden was involved in this one. But who's the first name he mentioned to you multiple times and you interviewed him today? Marcus, Marcus Freeman. Freeman. Marcus Freeman. Marcus Freeman. Yeah. But fairly, fans don't have the faith in Al Golden because he hasn't earned it. I get that. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's fair. He hasn't earned it, Ryan. And, and and I got no pushback on that. He has to earn it. So when when and that was my issue with Cole Sullivan. When I find out that Al Golden really likes Cole Sullivan. Sorry, you're not going to get the benefit of the doubt with him like Mike Mickens gets with me for Carson Hobbs, right? Like I've said this before, uh, Carson Hobbs film doesn't blow me away. Now, I have heard some things about what he's doing in track right now that tells me that what I was told by some sources is what they liked is this kid has a profile that it, that they've recruited in the past. That as he gets older, the speed is going to come. They've, yeah, they, I, I was told this by some folks that, that recruited Sauce Gardner. He was not fast coming out of high school, I but it. they saw a profile that once he got into a college weight program, that he was going to take off speed wise. And that's what I keep getting told about Carson Hobbs. But you know what? I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt with Carson Hobbs. Now, my ranking is still where it is. He is the lowest ranked kid I have in this class. Uh, Carson Hobbs is, however. I'm okay with it because I trust the guy making the evaluation. I don't have that same trust without Golden. And so I can't fault Notre Dame fans for feeling the exact same way when it comes to Al Golden because he has not earned that trust. And, and I think that's where some of this stuff comes from. But I will say this. There is no doubt. There is no doubt. And it can't be disputed or argued at all that Marcus Freeman wasn't very involved in this evaluation and recruitment of adding Bodie Cahoon to this class. This was not an Al Golden 
deal. This was a Notre Dame. There's no one that I've talked to at Notre Dame that looks at him and, and, and isn't on board. That was not the case with Peyton Pierce. That is the case with Bodie Kuhn. Now, again, we'll find out if they are correct or not. Yeah. But I do think that that has to be discussed is this is not an Al Golden only guy when it well, comes to recruitment. It, it, but the thing you brought up about the coaching aspect of Orion still obviously plays in because he's still the defensive coordinator. Well, well yes, because the long-term development is more, I think, of the biggest question mark. But to your point, Brian, is that literally in that piece, I got mentioned four different guys that he had been developing deep relationships with. You know what that tells me is that Marcus Freeman's like, hey, guys, that guy, yes. let's get on that guy, right. right? As a collective, as a staff, we need to make sure that Bodie Cahoon understands that he is a priority for Notre Dame, to your point, right? And we'll be able to look back on it and we'll be able to diagnose, you know, who was right, who was wrong and what mm-hmm. went wrong, what went right, all that great conversation. And it will be a great conversation at that point. But I think the core of this conversation is coming from back to my original point is that I believe if Marcus Freeman was still the linebacker coach, people would be a lot more good with this, right? Last year's defensive line class. Defensive line class had a lot of talent, man. Right. Talented group. But it's the fact of, can Al Washington get the most out of it? We're not sure. It was twofold. It was the losses. Yes. And then the fact that I don't trust him to develop these guys the way that I trusted Mike Elston. That's what a lot of people felt. And that's fair. And that's very fair. Very fair. And 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 we'll see if that changes with Coach Washington moving forward, and, and Coach Golden's going to have to do the same thing. Trust, now, trust is built over time, man. You right? Don't just, you don't just gain it in a day. And and I've had people say this to me. Well, I'm more willing to take chances on some safeties because they they do trust Chris O'Leary as a coach. I just don't trust him as a recruiter. Right. And and I don't think he's a good enough coach to to get away with just the poor recruiting we've seen so far from him. But that's a different conversation for a different day. I, I think if you're going to look at this defensive class, Ryan, if it's going to be successful, they have to have some hits right now, some big hits right now. And let's start up front and we'll work our way back. Sure. Obviously, we'll go outside in, start on defensive end. There's really three ends on the board, Logan Thomas, Malachi Williams, and Elijah Rushing. To me, you get one of those three guys, any one of those three guys, this is a good defensive end class. I'm a lot higher on Cole Mullins than the national re- re- recruiting. And I've said this, he's my Benjamin Morrison this year. He's my guy that when I look at the film, I say, I don't know what they're missing, but I see a guy that's a really good football player. Now he doesn't grade out quite as high as Benjamin did for me. Benjamin was a top hundred guy with five-star upside. Cole is a four is a four and a half star upside guy. That's a top one fifty. And he's borderline top 100 on my grading system because I have a I have different things that I grade. It's not just like a gut. I have a grading system and where you fall. He's like really close to being in that top 100 uh, range. I love the kid's film. So you know, part of that is some people may not like him. He's ranked here or there. I, I love the kid's film. I'm on board with that one. Bryce Young is a projectable kid. He's not a four-star for me yet, even though everyone now ranks him as a four-star. The reason for that is, Ryan, is because if I was doing one grade, Bryce Young would be a four-star for me because yeah. I would then put the upside into the ranking. And his upside is very high, which would then drag his overall grade up to a four-star. Is that fair? Yes. But that's cool. why we do the two two different systems because you need to understand where he is now is not where you hope he can be. 
and he's one of those kids that him and Teddy Rezac have the two biggest floor to ceiling grades right now, or current to future grades right now. They're both three and a half stars with four and a half star upsides. Yeah. Most kids are like three and a half to four, four to four and a half, things like that. He is, they are full grade higher. But I love Cole Mullins. I love that pickup. I like Bryce Young. The upside is really high. I, I, I do love the upside there. I think there's a chance he can end up growing into an inside guy, which is where I think Notre Dame is kind of going with recruiting. If you look at their board for 24 and 25, they're recruiting a lot of big ends. And outside of Davion Dixon, they're not recruiting a lot of pure ins. Even Owen Wafel is not a pure inside guy. He was defensive end in high school. They're, they're not recruiting a lot of pure inside guys, Ryan. And I think the reason is, is they want to recruit a lot of big ends and then they grow into big interior guys. So they're more athletic, but still have the, the length and size that, that, they, that they want. And I think Bryce could, could end up being one of those guys like his dad. And if, if it, you know, you can't ignore the fact that his, him and his dad were almost the same size, except Bryce is about two inches taller coming out of high school. And then his dad was a 300 pounder when it was all said and done. You can't ignore that in my opinion. And so I'm not going to ignore that. So I do think there's still an opportunity that he ends up growing into to being that kind of player. Uh, we'll see how it plays out. But you add a Logan Thomas, who's a top 100 recruit. You add a Malachi Williams, who you and I have said has a ceiling as high as any. He's the lower lowest of the floor of the defensive ends on the board, in my opinion, r- remaining. But yeah. the ceiling is as high as anybody. And then, of course, Eliza Rushing, who's one of those high floor and high ceiling guys. I would also throw Logan Thomas into that conversation, Ryan. Um, he's got a little higher floor to me just because of the athleticism and the versatility, but he's he's not necessarily a day one guy for me, but he's easy to project for yeah. me. It's just he, he's got one thing. Matt Bayless needs to do his thing with him. But the technique, the explosiveness, all that's there. It's just he's going to need a year in the weight room. And if he's an early enrollee, then he can be a guy that helps out early on in my opinion, uh, in that regard. But you got to get one of those three guys for me. And if you do, I feel really good about this defensive end class. And if you can get two, now that's a grand slam home run. I say grand slam. That's a home run for sure. If you get two of those guys and you add them with Cole Mullins and Bryce Young. Well, I mean, because the, all three of those players give you something that you don't have enough of on this roster, right? It's those Viper types that are just – incredibly long and athletic, the true outside track type of kids. I mean, because right now your roster is – because Joshua Burnham has some nice length to him now playing Viper, but you are built up of more of a Jordan Batelho types that are just more of, you know, 6'2", 255 pounds, kind of that versatile player, right? And Logan Thomas does bring versatility, but he brings it in a 6'4 with long arms package. And Elijah Rushing is – every bit of six, five and a half, six, six and 235 pounds right now. And long Malachi Williams is six, five, 235, uh, sorry, 230 pounds and super, super long. So you are adding an element potentially to your room of any of those kids that you don't have enough of on the roster. You have plenty of strong side defensive ends that are stupid long. I mean, just look at the 2023 class of Bubakar Traore, Armel Mookum, Brandon Vernon. Like you have that type now in the room. But you don't have the Vipers that look look the part of an NFL defensive end. You have more kind of hybrid players. And I think Notre Dame is moving to try to get those long, twitchier pass rushers in that Viper spot. And those three 
all fit that bill. Again, all of them are at least six foot four. They all are long. I would guess all of them have 33 plus inch arms. I mean, I'm look, I'll say this. I don't know what the measurement is exactly, but I would be surprised if Malachi Williams didn't have around 35 inch arms. Like he is incredibly long. So all those three guys bring similar qualities in that sense. Different players, like you said, Logan Thomas has been used much more of a three, four outside linebacker role, can drop back into coverage, can do stuff in space a little bit more. Malachi and Elijah Rushing are your true hand in the dirt, get after the quarterback types. But regardless, you're getting qualities that all of them have that are similar, that twitchiness, that length, and you need more of that at the Viper position. A spot in the 2023 class, Notre Dame missed on. When Keon Kelly decommitted, they just were not able to fill the Viper role in their 2023 class. Still a very talented defensive line group. But if you get one of those, I agree. It's a good class and you're excited. If you get two of those, then man, we're cooking now. We are cooking if you get two of those guys. And it's a need in this class. It's an absolute necessity for Coach for Coach Washington and the rest of the defensive staff to get a, at least one of those guys that can really press the pocket on an outside track. Mm-hmm. Let's move inside, Ryan. And this is this is the interesting one. This is the one where this could could to some degree make or break your defensive class, in my opinion. That's Justin Scott. That's the only interior guy on the board right now. This is this is one. Look, everybody that I talk to, all my sources, and this is we put this on the board. All my sources feel really good about where Notre Dame stands on this one. They do. Yes. Yep. But here's here here's my concern. I have no reason to doubt them. My sources have always been very honest with me. When they're not in a good position, they tell me they they don't they're not sunshine and rainbows. We think we're going to get everybody. I mean, you know, I, I talked to a source today. How do you feel about Elijah rushing? I I, I don't think I don't think we're going to get him. Right? Well, you got all these people putting crystal balls and saying that you're. Yeah, I mean, I, I hear all that, but I just we got a lot of work to do. Right? So so these are honest people. They're not like man. If we wanted, we could get Malachi Logan. It that's not who they are. They feel they're in a good position with Justin Scott. I, however, have concerns because, like, I don't care if Justin takes an official visit to Notre Dame in June. I don't. I, I couldn't. I could not care less. I do have a problem, however, that we're going to go April, May, and June, and he hasn't been on campus. And 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 talking about coming on campus in the fall. Now, two two problems with that. Number one is what I'm told is he's now going to. The, the, the thought is, now again, these things always change, right? Because Bodie Cahoon was going to decide later in the summer, right? And he's now deciding on May 15th. So these things could always change. But originally, Justin was talking about wanting to have a decision by the summer. Now he's talking about wanting to decide going into the fall and taking more visits in the fall. Well, usually that means a kid is enjoying the recruiting process. That doesn't usually work out well for Notre Dame. It just doesn't. I mean, look, maybe it's different under Marcus Freeman, but it wasn't last year. All the guys that wanted to carry the process out, they pretty much lost almost all of them, except for what, maybe Jeremiah Love, maybe. But I don't think Jeremiah Love necessarily loved the process. I think he was a smart, thoughtful kid who was doing his due diligence, and I think there's some of that to Justin as well. I think Justin is a smart, thoughtful kid, a thoughtful family. that They want to make sure that they're making the right decision, and they want to see the process through. But I also think there's a part of it that he's kind of enjoying getting out and seeing everywhere. That's fine. No problem with that. It's not a negative. It doesn't make him a bad kid. Oh, he's got his hand out. All that's – forget all that. Come on now. 
Christian right? Gray, Christian Gray and his family wanted to see everything too. Right. So yeah. So, yeah. It, but it does get concerning when you talk about a kid that wants to carry his recruitment in the fall. Notre Dame just doesn't win a ton of those battles. Now they again they did win the Jeremiah Love one. They got him the weekend that they played Stanford. That was an that was a September October type of thing. But it normally doesn't work out for Notre Dame, and the fact that he has not been on campus. When was the last time he was on campus? Was it in March? Brian, I'm, yes. I'm trying to. Yeah, it was March. To, it was March. It was March 25th. Was the last yeah. time he's been on campus, and I'm supposed to believe that him. He chose not to come on campus in April. He's choosing not to come on campus in May, and he's choosing not to come on campus in June. Is somehow I'm not supposed to be concerned about that. I, I just I. I would be I would be doing a disservice to our fans here if I were to say nothing to worry about. Right. So I'm going to tell you both sides. I'm being told by my sources who are very honest and very fair and do not give me spin. Do not give me pro Notre Dame spin. They they tell me exactly where they think things stand. They feel really good about where they stand with Justin Scott. That's what gives me hope and gives me confidence because some of the people I talked to were also the first ones that told me, Hey, this Jason Moore thing is not going the way that I was hoping it would go. Right. Right. So they are, they're honest with me. They feel good. I just, Ryan, I have a hard time getting myself to there now that he's decided not to be like when I thought he was coming in June, I was like, it's all good. It's yeah. going to come in June. It's going to be good. But now you're going to go minimum three, four months before you're back on campus. Minimum. We're probably talking closer to six months. If he was here March 25th, when's he going to come back in September? Right. It's over five months. That's a problem. I mean, Logan Thomas is getting ready to make his second trip up on his own dime in May. Then he's coming back for an official visit in June from Texas. Yes. From Katy, Texas. But a kid who lives an hour and a half away has been here once in the the, the 2020 what 2023 calendar year, right? Yep. Did he did he come in did he come in late January? Yeah, he was he here. Was he here that weekend in late January when Notre Dame had that big visit? Did Justin did he not show up for that? I don't was, think he showed up for that one. He was slated to come, up. but ended up yeah. not coming. Right. Yep. yep. So he's been on campus. So from from January first to now, looking to September. If you're not able to get him on campus but once, that's going to be tough. Now, the people say, oh, they have no chance. That's that's also nonsense. Right. Because the communication is still very strong. That is the good thing there, Ryan. But that's what gives me pause. You've got to fit, you've more, but you've got to win that one. They cannot afford to not get Justin Scott. It would be an epic failure, in my opinion. And so um, they're still confident they're going to get him. I just am a little bit more nervous now than I was maybe a month ago about yeah. that one. Right. Agree. Agree. I mean, this is, this is one of those situations where, I mean, we're talking about a kid that's an hour and a half away, right, Brian? Like you can get to Notre Dame and back in a tank of gas. <laughs> that's kind of where we are with the situation, right? Like it's not, this is a, and this is honestly one of those scenarios where, I mean, literally he can make a day trip out of it. Right. Like some kids, to your point, like Logan Thomas, you can't make a day trip out of coming from Katy, Texas to South Bend, Indiana. You can't make that happen. But a kid from Chicago can't make that happen if he chooses to. So anytime that it's this difficult to get a kid back on campus that is so close as far as regionally to you, that has to give you pause. It has to. So today, 
do you still feel okay about where Notre Dame is with Justin Scott? Yes. I still think Notre Dame is in the fight with Justin Scott. I still think that they're probably his leader right now, but if they don't get him back on campus over the next couple months, that's not great, man. (laughs) That's not great. I mean, there's no other way to paint it guys. Like this is a situation where, and we saw this in 2023, a little bit with a couple recruits where actions speak much louder than words. There's a couple recruits that you talk to every single time. That's like, Oh man, I'm locked in. I'm locked in. No, no worries. I'm locked in. But then, but you're not going back, <laughs> right? You're still taking visits. Like there's, there, there's just a, an eerie feeling there. And I feel like that is kind of where you are with Justin Scott. You still don't, you still feel good about Notre Dame's chances, but you would be irresponsible to say that there's no concern at all. Like if there's no concern, he's going to end up with Notre Dame, no matter what. It's just, it's all unsettling. I think unsettling is the word to use yeah. in this recruitment. So we'll see how that one plays out, but that's a key to this class overall, Ryan. They, they're, they're, it's, you're you're going to have a hard time telling me this is a because it, it, what it'll turn out to be is if they finish in the other areas that we're going to talk about, it, it'll turn into a situation where, man, you really like this class, but you didn't get a Viper, you didn't get Keon, right? If they hit at linebacker, if they get Kingston and get Logan Thomas and get rushing and get the safeties who want, it'll be like, man, it's a really good defensive class, but they didn't get key. They didn't get Justin Scott. It'll always have that little stain of man. You didn't get that guy. That's the key. And so at the end of the day, that's going to be the test for Al Washington. If Al Washington wants to completely change sort of the tenor of how people view him, that's the one you win. That's the one you have to win. And if you're Marcus Freeman and you're going to say to, to to us, hey, I'm the number one recruiter for all of these guys, this is one you have to win. You cannot let a, a Southern school come into your backyard and beat you for a Catholic school kid from Chicago. You can't. Right. right. Yeah. Now, I will say this. So I gave you the positive. My Notre Dame sources who are really good and really accurate and really honest feel really good. I gave you the concern that I have just having done this a long time and, and and just seeing how these things tend to play out for Notre Dame. Here's the third piece of this. I think this team is going to be really freaking good. And if Justin Scott carries his recruitment into the fall, I think that's going to bode well for Notre Dame because of the product on the field is going to be really good. And I think awesome. one of the top contenders for him is going to be a, Ohio State. And you got a chance to show him in a head-to-head matchup, this is why you need to come here. Or not. Or we're not there yet. And that's going to be a bit that's going to be big. So I think for a guy like Justin Scott, this season could end up being a, a much more impactful than we thought it was going to be, Ryan. And and so we'll kind of have to see. We're gonna have to see how that one plays out. We'll have to see how it plays out. But uh I'm I'm not panicking i'm not reacting like some of the show oh, they got no chance that that again that's that's your own that's your own thing you got to deal with but i i have a more doubt now than i did before yeah but everybody i talk to still thinks they're going to get them let's move to the next level ryan we talked about this one. we need to spend a lot of time they got to get kingston don't get kingston and and i have questions about this linebacker class get kingston and i'm good with this linebacker class hey you know what you took a couple flyers and some really high ceiling kids we'll see if they pan out or not uh, you and I have a difference of opinion. I'm higher on Teddy than you are. You're a little even higher on Bodie than I am. But there's a lot of athleticism. I mean, we're talking about two kids who have who have verified electronic four fives at linebacker, right? And and some people said, well, you know, the 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 time on Bodie is 
Like the film on Bodie for as a safety, he's not that guy anymore. Well, the four he ran the four five this past summer before this his junior yeah. his, this junior season. So you can't tell me that he didn't have he lost that speed in two weeks when fall camp started, right? Or in a month when fall camp started. So um, you know we'll we'll see. You get you're getting athleticism, and then if you get Kingston, you get the high ceiling cornerback. Love Leonard Moore, very high on Leonard Moore. Carson Hobbs, we've talked about. Staff is very high on him. I, I have to be sold, although he's one of those guys that his senior year is going to be very important for me, like it was for Ben Minich. I wasn't very excited when they got Ben Minich last year. I wasn't. Yeah. But I was told, just watch his senior year. This kid's better than you think. Have an open mind. And I did and came he away. Was. Ben Minich is a good football player. He jumped yeah. up to a four-star grade for me. And that's where I'm at with Carson Hobbs, right? So – and Leonard Moore. And then obviously there's Caleb Beasley. And that that to me percept now here's an interesting one, Ryan. Have you looked at the at the rankings for Caleb Beasley? Like it's the national the place, rankings right? for not really. It's actually oh. settling in on him, not like he's ranked 247 has him at 102, but everyone else has him at between 153 and 244. Very surprised to see his ranking go that way. He's a bona fide top hundred player to me. Same. And so I'm not quite sure what people are saying. And that's based off what I saw in film. And that's based on what I saw at Irish Invasion in person. He's a big one for me because it signifies two things. Number one is you're getting another really good corner. Yes. And number two, it would say you had to go out and beat an SEC school in their backyard for a kid like that. That that just won 10 plus games last year. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Beat Bama, you know, did all that stuff. It would signify that too. So that to me is the one where I say, Hey, that's a, that's a, you know, like, you know, I like, you know, I follow politics stuff, Ryan, and you know, there's like these bellwether states and bellwether counties. Like if you win that, you're going to probably win, you know, whatever. This is one of those bellwether recruits for me, right? Like yeah. how you finish with him is going to tell us if you're starting to turn that corner a little bit. Cause this is one of those kids, Ryan, this is a Notre Dame kid. He just happens to be in the backyard of a of an ascending SEC team, and and you've got to convince him that he's a Notre Dame kid. Where with Christian Gray, Christian Gray was 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 getting that pull from Ohio State and LSU, but he's a Missouri kid. Yep. So it's a little easier to me to kind of win that battle. This is a little different one because he's literally in the backyard of Tennessee. You know, he's a Nashville kid, and and so, um. I just th- this is going to be very uh, very telling for me uh, on the kind of staff this is right on on the ability of the staff to really close on a kid like him, and yeah. it will obviously impact the dynamic of the of the class as well. You need a kid. You need to flip somebody, right? You need to have the Notre Dame, Notre Dame start showing the ability to win these battles. And they did that last year. They flipped plenty of kids. Flipped Kenny Minchie. Obviously, uh, you flipped him from. Uh, uh, from Pitt, been, you know they had yeah. they had other other kids that they flipped in the last couple of years. You've got to be able to flip some of those kids, Ryan, mm-hmm. if you're going to have these successes. And to me, the guy that I have kind of cued zeroed in as my flip guy for this class is that one right there. They flipped Caleb Smith from Texas Tech. I'm I'm trying to look Arm- at some Armel Mookum from Stanford. Armel Mookum they flipped from Stanford. Stanford exactly. I'm looking yep. at a couple of others. I think those are it. But uh, they te- they technically flipped Bubakar from Boston College. It wasn't like one to one true. day type of thing. But yeah, yeah. I mean, it was yeah. Notre Dame's interest that kind of caused him to flip a yeah. little bit. We've seen them flip guys in 2022. Junior Tualamaka is a guy they flipped as soon as Marcus Freeman got involved. Is when he kind of decommitted and and made his move. 
eventually made his move into the class. So you've been able to go do that. Now you have Holden Stace. They somewhat kind of flipped from Penn State, but it wasn't directly because of Penn State. So now you've got to go out and show that you can do that, and he's the kind of kid that can. Oh, Carson Hobbs in this class from South Carolina. Carolina. Yep, yep. Adam Blair just mentioned that one. I I always forget that he was committed to South Carolina. Completely forget that he was. He was committed for a while too to South Carolina. Long time. Yeah, Yeah, long time. Good call, that. Yeah. Let's move on to safety, Ryan. This is an interesting one because there's a lot of guys on the board that Notre Dame has a good shot with, but there's really no one on the board right now that I would say definitively. Kind of like how we felt with Bodie Cahoon. It was always a matter of when. For the last two months, would you say, Ryan, with Bodie Cahoon, it was it was, it was more of a matter of when, not if, yes. they were going to get him. Yep. With Bryce Young, it was a matter of when, not if. You say, okay, well, you know, this is dragging on a little bit more, but this kid's been silently committed for a while. With, uh, w- with safety, it, there's not a lot of kids that I say right now, like, yeah, it's a matter of when, not if. They're going to have to legitimately close. And right now... I don't know that this staff has really shown me the ability to close on kids that they aren't kind of getting in on before everybody else does. And right now they're going to have to actually out recruit some really good programs. If they're going to finish with a good safety class. And that to me, is probably the biggest concern that I have right now when it comes to filling up this class, obviously Justin Scott's the biggest individual one, but I feel better about where they are with Justin Scott, even with all the hesitations than I do with most of the safeties on the board. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. Well, and and I, I was actually going to work on a piece about the clarity that you're going to get in in June from the safety position, Brian. Because to your point, I mean, Notre Dame's top targets are all going to be on campus for official visits, right? I mean, you talk about Davis Andrews is going to be back on campus. Jalen McLean is going to be on campus. You're going to have Paul Menke that's going to be back on campus. Like, there's a lot of guys. Oliver Miles. Oliver Miles. Likes, yeah. yeah. So there's, there's going to be a lot of – the top safeties on the board for Notre Dame that are going to be making the trip. Marquise Gallegos is another kid out of California that is going to be taking an official visit in June. So you're going to get a really good understanding of what the class may look like after that, right? What the clarity I think is the Mm -hmm. biggest thing that you're trying to look for because safety is such a big year in 2024. I mean, like we've talked about this endlessly. You Struck out a couple years ago. Last year, you lost two commitments. Well, you lost one at signing day, and then obviously the situation with Brandon Hillman. You end up not getting Peyton, Peyton Bowen or Brandon Hillman in last year's class. Still got two quality safeties in a Don Schuler and Ben Minich, but like you need to get impact players and depth in this class, especially with you know the obviously the defections you've had in recruiting and on the roster over the last couple of years. So you look at those types of players, the Davis Andrews of the world, can you make a big push with Jalen McLean? Like, can you make your push during that signing day? Is Paul Menke a guy that you want in the class? Is Marquise Gallegos a guy that you want to close on in the class? We have a lot more question marks than answers in safety mm-hmm. recruiting in 2024. That's the best way I would put it. But I really think after that, because 
most of those guys are also visiting early on. Like a couple of those guys are during that, uh, that June 9th to 11th weekend. So early on to the midsection of June, we're going to get a very in-depth understanding of what the safety board is going to ultimately end up looking like. There's a lot of talented names to your point, Brian, but there's not a lot of answers in this class right now. And Notre Dame needs to start finding an answer at safety because that is one position that they have struggled mightily, obviously recruiting over the last two years. The concern I have, Ryan, is that you're going to see them potentially take some guys that maybe are are like an Oliver Miles, who is a very athletic player, but is a bit of a project, in my opinion, because he's right now he's he's more Ramon Henderson than he is Xavier Watts, if that makes sense. Like he's more track athlete, fast than he is really natural football player. But I think that's kind of where they are right now in this class because it's not a great year at safety that they're saying. So do we take a kid that's a good – like Marquise Gallegos, to me, is one of the best football – and you know I've been high on him in a lot of – in certain areas for a long time. And his film, yeah. to me, is really impressive. Crazy instinctive. He can move. Yeah. He's just really small. That's my concern with Marquise Gallegos, really small. And so you question how high is the floor real, or how high is the upside? The floor's good. You know, there's Davis Andrews, who to me is both. Floor and ceiling are both high. I'm a big, big fan of Davis Andrews. DeWan Lane has an incredibly high ceiling. Floor's eh, kind of in the middle, but very high ceiling. You know, Oliver Miles might have the biggest gap between floor and ceiling of anybody they're recruiting right now, Ryan. Yeah. I mean, he's he, I see the athleticism, and if he figures out how to play football, he could be really good, but he could also be a guy that – struggles even get on special teams because he's just so raw at football you know Paul Menke higher floor low lower ceiling you know that there's such a difference of opinion of of type of player that they're after you worry that that they're going to end up taking a bunch of guys that to me are are going to be sort of those projectable kids because the reality is Ryan they need guys that can come in and play at least one guy in this safety class is probably gonna have to come in and be in the rotation in his first year uh and or at least he'll have a shot too. And so that's that's really where my big concern is here. On top of the fact that I just don't know where they stand. Like I like where Notre Dame is at right now with Davis Andrews, but I don't have the confidence in Davis Andrews that I had with like Bodie Cahoon the last month. That's right. Fair. Like once Bodie came back, decided to come back a month later for the Blue Gold game, you're like, okay, they're going to get L- less this than guy. thirty days later. Yeah, yeah, right. they're going to get this guy <laughs> on his own dime, unofficial. But yeah. you're going to get this guy, yeah. Davis Andrews. I think they're in a good place, but I don't, I don't. I'm not going to, if I was, had to put my mortgage on the line right now, I wouldn't do that with Davis Andrews. I wouldn't do that with any safeties. And that's really where I started to get a little bit concerned, Ryan, is I feel like they got to talk themselves into some of these things are going to be okay. And, 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 you know, everybody talks about Al Washington and, and Al Golden as recruiters, but there's nobody to me that has more to prove on the recruiting trail right now than Chris O'Leary. It's true. I mean, it's not even close in my opinion. He's had two recruiting classes. He completely struck out in one and did relatively well in the other, but he wasn't the primary driving force behind Ben Minich. That was Chad Bowden and Marcus Freeman. I mean, yeah. you know, Don Schuler, O'Leary's a role there, but Marcus Freeman has had as big of a role as anybody in why Don Schuler picked. I mean, you, you've talked to, you know that family very well. Yeah. They didn't pick Notre Dame because of Chris O'Leary. They picked Notre Dame because of Marcus Freeman. If we're talking about people, now there's other reasons. It's a very smart family, like a family that very focused on the academics, the degree, the network. I mean, it's a very sure. savvy family. 
But Marcus Freeman being a role model is big for that family. Correct. Yeah. That was the as a human being, that was the driving force behind uh, th- him coming to Notre Dame from yep. a person standpoint. It wasn't Chris O'Leary. Now, I think Chris O'Leary is a really good football coach, but you cannot afford at a skill position at Notre Dame to only be a good coach and not a good recruiter. Sure. Or only a good recruiter and not a good coach. you got to do both. And that's why I say if Chris O'Leary doesn't show something here in the next few months, it's pro- it's problematic. It's very problematic. And and that's probably the position I'm I'm most concerned about when I look at how this class is going to finish as a position group. Ryan, is that is that fair to For say sure. at this point in yeah. time? Yeah, because I mean you're you're in a situation where your roster is limited on numbers, limited on proven impact coming back, and you don't have a lot of clear answers. Like I think we both, I mean, we both like Kennedy Urlacher as a football player, but I don't envision Kennedy Urlacher being a kid that comes in in 2024 and he's just like an instant yeah. answer. Like I don't necessarily see that. I don't. Yeah, he's like, a, and he's like a top 250 type of a guy. I yeah, like not a player, a, when yeah. that guy pans out, he's the next Kyle Hamilton. I. He's more Jalen Elliott than he'll be Kyle Hamilton or Harrison Smith as a football sure. player. And that's okay. I mean, Jalen Elliott was part of a, one of the best secondaries in college football. His, you need Jalen Elliott, man. You need those right. types of kids. You do. Right. I, I think that for me, again, the hesitations comes with just need results at some point, man. I, as somebody said in the chat earlier, Brian, it's not wrong. It's like I thought Kyle Hamilton being the 14th overall pick and being an All-American at Notre Dame at safety – would be like a springboard to safety mm-hmm. recruiting, right? Like that should be a right. big momentum build and hasn't happened for whatever yeah. reason. And in this 2024 class, how easy of a sell is it to me to go into a couch? And again, it's not this easy folks. So like, I'm not trying to like parlay this into like complete shade, but if I go into Dewan Lane's room, for instance, right with his parents, I'm like, Dewan, you would have a chance if you come in and you do everything right to potentially play as a freshman. You know why? Because we lack depth at this position and we lack bodies for one. And we lack impact depth. We lack that right now. It's an easy pitch, I believe. And you could also say, hey, we had just two years ago an All-American safety that went 14th overall. It was the highest graded rookie of any safety in the pro football focus era. That's what we've done, right? We develop, we've developed some good football players at safety and you're really talented. So you can come in, you can play early. For whatever reason, that really hasn't hit for a lot of kids this cycle, man. Like, it hasn't. I mean, there, it's just you, you're missing that right now. You're missing that. There was just been a lot of hiccups even in 2024. It's like DeMello Jones was interested in Notre Dame, Brian. They couldn't get DeMello Jones to take a visit. Like, you couldn't get him. How long did it take for Jalen McCain to set up an official visit? How long did it take to get DeWan Lane to – And there's still not a lot of optimism that Jalen McClain's going to pick Notre Dame. Yeah. And he's a guy that should be very pro-Notre Dame. For, yes. for certain. And I don't completely blame them for that, but sure. to a degree, you kind of do, right? And like Dewan Lane, like I, I don't know that Chris O'Leary is driving the bus on Dewan on their name being back with Dewan Lane either. And so it, it, it gets a little concerning to me. It, it does. Yeah. And, and again, I, I think very highly of Chris O'Leary as a coach. I do. He just, and part of it is he is still new at this. He's only been yeah. a full time coach for two years, but you got to figure it out, buddy. This is Notre Dame, right? This isn't. You got to figure it out and you got to get it done. You got to figure out why am I not connecting with these kids? Right. You know, and and then figure out how to do it. And and Marcus Freeman's going to have to realize, hey, there's certain positions I got to step up in more. Uh, Dylan doesn't need my help as much as Chris O'Leary does. 
right? Chancey doesn't need my help as much as Chris O'Leary does. Because the one thing that the offensive coaches have is an offensive coordinator that's a dynamic recruiter, right, personality-wise and things like that. Geno's got a lot of charisma. The defensive staff, outside of Mike Mickens, who's the guy that's the dynamic personality that, you know, is it It's out, not Al Golden? He's not doing that. He's not jumping in and helping you seal the deal with these kids. He's not. So Marcus Freeman is going to have to sort of take back control of the defensive recruiting, in my opinion, in a big way. And 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 I'm and I also I'm not seeing that right now, Ryan. I, I'm, I'm I mean we hear kids talk about them, but I'm kids that they should be getting. Bodie Cahoons. I'm hearing it, but we're not hearing a kid that we don't think that they're going to get all of a sudden coming to Notre Dame the way that Jalen Sneed did, the way that Josh Burnham did. Josh Burnham went from everybody thought he was going to go to Michigan to Notre Dame for two two one reason. Marcus Freeman. Tyson Ford committed Notre Dame over over Oklahoma for one reason, Marcus Freeman. And we saw that impact last year's class as well. But that's but that's because when Marcus Freeman started recruiting uh, Adon Schuler and those guys, he was still the defensive coordinator. Adon committed to Notre Dame when Marcus Freeman was still the defensive coordinator. So did Drake Bowen. So did Keon Keeley. So did Brennan Vernon. So did a lot of those guys. And so, you know, he he's going to – He's going to have to start getting back more involved with that side of the ball. Have, help the offensive staff as they request it. But you've got to take back charge of defensive recruiting. That's got to be your top priority because offensively, Ryan, and I've always believed you can scheme your way into some level. You need talent on offense to win. You, you're not out there. Like George has had, was, had great scheme the last two years. They weren't thrown to a bunch of bums. Sure. Now, scheme can help make a guy like Lad McConkey a, a much better player than his skill set would otherwise determine, correct? But Adonai Mitchell's a dude. I mean, Jermaine Burton's an athletic guy. Brock Bowers is a stud. They've yeah. had really talented running backs. They've had really talented offensive linemen. They're not out there winning with a bunch of okay guys. They don't have 11 mediocre football players that they're winning games with, right? You have to have talent on offense, but it, you can scheme it beyond maybe its natural talent level. You can't win championships if your defense is just subpar talent-wise. And so I'm not saying it is or it's on the way there. I think they've recruited defense extremely well since Marcus Freeman arrived, but he's got to make sure that that doesn't fall back now that he's the head coach. That's the point. Because this is the first class, Ryan, that's being put together without him having an influence on it as the defensive coordinator. Because you cannot ignore the fact that a lot of last year's top players – started being recruited by Notre Dame heavily or committed when he was still the defensive coordinator. And then a lot of those relationships that he started as defensive coordinator with the Christian Grays carried over when he became the head coach, but it was already that established relationship. Sure. And they were able to seal the deal with that. That's not the case now. And they're going to have to get to the point where he's going to have to say, I can't allow this to fall off because right now, depending on how they finish, there is that fear. But at the same time, you also have to counter that with, I don't know how good this class could be compared to past classes because I just don't think it's a great year nationally at most defensive positions. Those two things have to be weighted together when you start talking about how good of a job is the staff really doing. We won't know till they finish. But when you look at that finish, you have to say, okay, what can we say they didn't do a good enough job if certain things happen? And then what can we say is, I'm not sure how much better it could have been because of the type of year it was. And that's kind of how I look at it. Like if they get Kingston, I'm like, I don't know if this could have been that much better of a linebacker class. 
just based on how it is recruiting wise. If they get Logan Thomas and Justin Scott, I have no complaints. No. You get Caleb Beasley, I'm thrilled with corner. I'm okay with corner recruiting now because it's a good year, but you're taking a flyer. You've had two good years in a row. It's hard to sell cornerback at Notre Dame, period. And now you're telling kids they got to play behind Benjamin Morrison and Christian Gray and Jaden Mickey and all those guys. It's going to be a tough sell, but you did it with a Leonard Moore, who I think is a really good football player. You're taking a flyer on Carson Hobbs, and, and they don't think it's a flyer. I, I do. That's that's me talking. Notre Dame does not view him as a flyer. They like him a lot. So, you know, it, it just the finish is going to be key, Ryan, because we could be talking about a, a big-time top five. This class could be one of the five best in the country on defense. It could. Yep. You give me Logan Thomas. You give me Justin Scott. You give me Kingston Viliama Asa. You give me Caleb Beasley. You give me Dewan Lane, and you give me Davis Andrews. You're not going to find many better defensive classes in the country. You're just not, in my opinion, Ryan. You're not. But I can't promise you that they're going to get all those guys, even half those guys, and that's going to be the key. Well, I mean, because when you look at it, the the class is filling up quickly on the defensive side of the ball. And just in general, you're up to 16 commits now in the class overall. And the players that are getting filled up, especially on defense for me right now, Brian, are like the – the second thirds of a group, right? Like the second best guy that you want in a class, the third best guy in your class. You still have a bunch of headliners that are out there, which tells you Mm -hmm. the margin for error is starting to get smaller and smaller. The board is getting smaller and smaller. You always say you have to hit the inside straight, right? And there's going to be a couple spots that you have to hit the inside straight in because there's just not a lot of options that are left on the board. I mean, we're going to blink our eyes and this class is going to be complete over the next few months. It's mm-hmm. going to be, I don't, I don't envision this one dragging on incredibly long, you know, a couple players, maybe perhaps, but you're going to be in a situation here with, with Notre Dame. If you miss on just one or two of that group, you're a little bit of trouble, man. You're a little bit of trouble. You might have to reevaluate things. You might have to expand boards. You might have to figure a different situation out. Like that is where you are. All the guys that you just mentioned, why could it be a great class? You just mentioned some dudes, man. Some like top hundred, five star caliber players. In the case of Justin Scott, and so you are in a situation where you have a low margin for error attacking some of the best football players in the country. You've gotten some really good players in this class already on the defensive side of the ball, but it it really doesn't fill out the way you want unless Owen Wafel is number you know the second defensive tackle in the class behind Justin Scott sure. right or you have Elijah rushing and Bryce Young and Cole Mullins and then that's where the depth and Logan comes Thomas, in. that's right. where the impact comes right. like that's where that conversation changes really quickly and right now the conversation's a little bleak I mean I don't want to say bleak but there's there's question marks behind it uh, yeah it's definitely not bleak it's yeah. definitely not bleak to me because again I I like if you were to say, okay, I'm nervous about Justin Scott, and then say, well, where's he going to go? So I don't, I don't know. That's the difference. Like when when Keon started looking around, there was one school that just scared the crap out of me, and it was Alabama. They were the only one that's going to be able to flip them. I, I don't feel that like oh Miami. I'm not. That's not my Miami is not my concern right now. That doesn't mean he may yeah. not end up there with Justin Scott. But the point is, I'm not nervous because of the Miami stuff. I'm not nervous about that at all. I'm nervous about the fact that he's saying one thing. And, and, and that's fine. And I believe it, but then it's like, but I just need to see him get back on campus to feel better about what he's saying. Right. Right. And uh, that's kind of where I'm at, but like, it's going to come down to Justin Scott, to me, Logan Thomas, Kingston, Viliama, Asa, Caleb Beasley, Davis Andrews, and Dewan Lane to me. 
that's where it's at. If your finish is there, this is a really good top 10, borderline top five defensive class, in my opinion. It's an outstanding defensive line class. It's a really good linebacker class, but again, I don't know if there was an elite linebacker class to be had. It's an excellent corner class because if you give me Leonard Moore and Caleb Beasley as my one and two and then Carson Hobbs is my three I'm thrilled with that and then you give me Kennedy Erlacher to go with Davis Andrews and Dewan Lane who I have looked and I, I know Davis Andrews is a guy that a lot not as many people here are fired up about I don't think but for me that's a top borderline top 100 kid to me like that's a really good football player same with Dewan Lane I'm I'm okay I'm good I'm good. I'm really feeling good about the class now. And that's where I'm at. And, and I'm not even, I'm not even throwing in there Elijah, or Mike Malachi Williams and Elijah Rushing. I, I get that those are the big names, but if you give me Logan Thomas, Cole Mullins, Bryce Young, Justin Scott, and Owen Wafel, that is a darn good, darn good defensive line class. I'm not going to get into the dream of adding a sixth guy in Malachi or, or Elijah. I'm just trying to be, be fair. I'm just realistically, that's would be the finish. It's a, it's an, it's a, it's a finish that they certainly can have. Yeah. And it would be an outstanding class. Cause I'm very, I'm part of it too, is what's your evaluation of the current players. And this is where I think a lot of people to me are, are, are a little off in their being held down there on the class. There's legit reasons to be concerned about the direction of the defensive class. And we just aired all of them. I think part of the reason I can't go as far as some people are going, Ryan, is because I have a very big difference of opinion on certain players in the class. And especially up front, Owen Wafel and Cole Mullins to me are really big time pickups for me. And you, you were on the Owen Wafel train from day one on that one. It took me a while to get there. And after his junior year, but you saw that potential off sophomore film. You just said, Hey, the skills are there. He just has to put it together. And he did as a junior put it together. Cause I would say, I would say to you, this is how our conversations go. Like, yeah, I see what you're saying, man, but you know, it's a little undersized. I'm not sure if he can play inside and the production concern. We are like, yeah, production is legit, but this is what you'd see. And so, okay, well, I'll, I'll, let's see what he does as a junior. And then he comes out in the production skyrockets. He's bigger. He's more, you know, and he takes that jump. And so, I'm on board. I'm sold. Cole Mullins, I'm extremely high on Cole Mullins. Uh, so I think that's kind of a baseline. I, I like I like Teddy Rezac more than a lot of people do. So I get that one. I like Kennedy Erlacher more than some. I, I'm very high on Leonard Moore. So there are other guys I'm, I'm not as high on, to be completely honest with you. I, I don't have Bryce Young ranked as high as some other of the services do, although I love the upside. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not as high on Carson Hobbs as some people are but I hope I'm wrong because I love that kid. So I just, I just feel like to me, you've got a really good corner in this class. You've got two really good defensive linemen already in this class, and you've got a really high upside defensive lineman in this class to go with them. If you finish strong, this still has a chance to be an outstanding class defensive class to go with what is the makings of a excellent offensive class. So I, I, I think that, I think the concern is enough to where we had to kind of do this show. But the the positive is, is that there are guys on the board that Notre Dame, and I would say this, of the guys that I mentioned that are keys to the finish, and that is Logan Thomas, Justin Scott, Kingston Viliyama Asa, Davis Andrews, Dewan Lane, Caleb Beasley. I would say at worst, 
at the very worst, Ryan, Notre Dame's in the top two with all those kids. The only yeah. one that you can maybe debate that with is Dewan Lane, to me. Maybe. he, But there, the debate is, okay, then he's top three. Right. But Caleb Beasley's either going to go to Tennessee or Notre Dame. That's it. That's the options. I think so, too. Yeah. Logan Thomas, I think they're the leader for. Uh, Davis Andrews, I do think they're the leader for Davis Andrews, Ryan, but I just – it's not – a definite like yeah. it is with some other guys, right? Sure. Justin Scott, I think they're in the top. I, I mean, I, I would even be willing to say right now, if I had to say who's Justin Scott's leader, I honestly probably right now would say Notre Dame. Would too, yeah. I just don't know if it's going to be that way after more and more and more visits and not getting back to Notre Dame. I would say that they're the leader right now for Kingston by about a half an inch. So the close is going to be the key. Right. And if you were to argue with me, well, I think Ohio State's a leader. I'd say, okay, I can argue with you about that. I think Ohio State, you think Ohio State, I think Notre Dame, we would both agree whoever's leading it's by that much. And the June visits are going to have a huge part in who ultimately wins that battle. Okay. And, you know, so, so it's, it's not a dream or a pipe dream to say they finish with all those kids. It's not at all. It, but they got to finish, they got to close. The good news is, is last June, Ryan, they crushed it. Like all the guys that were, man, they better really do well here in order to get that kid. They did. They crushed the it. Last great year. houses of the world. The Jaden Osbury's. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Guys that were, were like, we felt Jaden Osbury, they were the leader for Jaden Osbury, but it was a little tenuous. Some people thought A&M, some people thought Michigan, but the visit, he just, he crushed it. I mean, you just had no chance after, after that. And so I, I do think that you're in a situation now, Ryan, where they're going to have to repeat what they did a year ago. And, and or, I mean, we, you know, they, and that's the thing is they've done really well when they get these kids on campus very yeah. well. And that's kind of where you, where, where you kind of come down in is when they get these kids on campus, they by and large close the deal on, on the guys that they, that they want. Right. Now they just, you're going to have to do that again, and that's going to be the key. Uh, Christian Gray also is another one. I, I when, when did Christian commit? Do you remember when Christian Gray committed to Notre Dame? It was before the summer visits. July. Correct? It was July. So, so, the, so the visits did seal the deal, right? Yeah, we Ju- he was Notre July 4th, right, I think? That's right. You're correct. Yeah. We that was He was part of that five days, five players in five days thing. Now, they didn't close with everybody because they didn't close with Ronan Hannafin. Yep. So, I mean, there were some guys that they didn't close the deal on, but most of them they did. And they're going to have to repeat that again this year. They didn't close the deal with, like, Caleb Downs, but that visit put them in the game more so, even more for Caleb Downs. So they still was still a needle-moving visit. It just wasn't enough to seal it at the end. And they're going to have to do that again in June, Ryan, because all these kids we talked about, except for Justin Scott, are going to be on campus here in, in less than in the next month. Yep. And so they're going to have to close. But there's a chance for it to be really good. Just gonna have to knock it out of the park here over the next month. And it, it does. It does seem like a lot of kids, even more than last year, are very. They want to have a decision made before senior year. It yeah. feels like a lot of kids on the board are in that boat more than not. And last year, I remember. I mean, because you remember, like at this time last year, Brian Jane Greathouse was talking about, like you know, maybe taking it into this, yeah. into the into the yeah. season. Jeremiah he was pretty adamant about that, actually. Season. Yeah. Ryan, if I remember correctly, Jeremiah uh, Jaden Osbury was as well. 
I believe, yep. was adamant about taking it into the season. Osbury, Jeremiah Love. There were a bunch of guys last year that were like, you know, I'm not going to rush this type of situation. And then those fit, those visits change the equation a lot for a lot of kids in a mm-hmm. mostly in a good way. But to your point, I mean, it's a bad way sometimes. I mean, there's always the the horror stories of some visits. But Notre Dame historically does a really good job when they get players on campus, especially during the Marcus Freeman era in this recency. So you have to feel good about having that opportunity in front of you but again, the closer we get to the season, you're running out of time now, right? Like you have mm-hmm. to strike now for a lot of these kids or you're not going to be able to strike at all. So big, big <laughs> June is going to be massive for Notre Dame in 2024. Absolutely massive. So that wraps up this part of the segment, Ryan. We're going to go to a mailbag next. But before we hit that mailbag, do do us a favor, folks. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. Hit the notification bell. Share this podcast. If you have not done so, you're listening on the uh, YouTube channel. Make sure that you subscribe to our podcast platform for Irish Breakdown and CFP Nation. And if you're listening via podcast platform, please do us a favor and give us a five-star review. We would greatly, greatly appreciate it. 